This is Dr. Benner from the Shelbourne Knee Center podcast. Welcome back for our next episode. Today, we're going to be talking about return to sport and subsequent injury rates after revision ACL reconstruction. And uh, Scott Bauman's here with me from our office, and he'll be uh, asking a lot of questions of me about this study. If you want to hit us up on our social, you can find us on our Instagram and Twitter handles at the SKC podcast, or you can find us at the Shelbourne Knee Center podcast Facebook page, or you can email us if you'd like to ask any questions at the SKC podcast podcast at gmail.com. This will be a great episode to back up to last week. For those that listened last week with Dr. Haro from South Carolina, we had a great discussion recapping the article that he wrote with Dr. Shelbourne looking at subsequent injury and retears for both knees after primary ACL reconstructions. And we had a great discussion on what leads to higher graft tears and what leads to higher contralateral tears, whether that be age, activity level, uh, male, female, those types of things, which was a great discussion. If you haven't heard it yet, go back to last week's episode and listen to episode 15 uh, with Dr. Haro. And again, this this week is going to be a, a good backup to that because we're going to be talking about the return to sport and subsequent injury rates for revision ACL reconstructions, specifically highlighting a, a article that Dr. Benner was an author of, along with Dr. Shelbourne and Tinker Gray from the American Journal of Sports Medicine in 2014, titled Return to Sports and Subsequent Injury Rates After Revision Anterior Cruciate Ligament Reconstruction with Patellar Tendon Autograph. Again, highlighting the, the difference between maybe the revision setting uh, compared to the primary setting from last week. So, to kick this off, uh, Dr. Benner, just start from the beginning, and can you talk about what the rationale for conducting this study was? Yeah, this was an interesting one for me because this was actually when I was a fellow when I started to think about this and uh, and kind of kick this project off. Um, I read an article about return to sport rates after revision ACL reconstruction from another institution, and they reported about 50% return to sport rates, uh, but they used a variety of different graphs. If I remember right, it was about 50-50 whether they used allographs or autographs, and it was at a time when there was still a little bit of unknown about the performance of allographs really in primary and revision surgery, uh, where I think now uh, the MARS group and some of the other subsequent research that's been done about uh, ACL revision reconstructions has shown pretty clearly that autographs uh, seem to ha- do a better job in avoiding uh, retear rates and failure rates. Um, but at the time, there was still a lot of people using allographs. This was in 2011, I believe, was when that study came out. And uh, this is a nice thing about having a background in uh, a, of a research department at your office that you could tap into. A lot of the studies that we do at our office are ones that we we, we read things and hear about things at meetings uh, and elsewhere that are of interest and related to the work that we've done previously. And then we have an opportunity to go back to our research database and look it up ourselves and see if see if we agree or disagree, see if there's any changes. And given that I had been around Dr. Shelbourne and uh, Tinker, who uh, used who used to be in our research department, that did a lot of a uh, lot of publishing with Dr. Shelbourne over the years, I thought that we might be able to answer this question specifically for patella tendon autographs. And that's really where uh, what the genesis of this study was uh, is reading a study that reported 50 percent return to sport rates from revision ACL reconstructions with both autographs and allographs and wondering whether uh, autograph patella tendons in the entire population could make a difference. Now, knowing that background, did you have a specific hypothesis for what you thought was going to be the return to sport rates and the subsequent injury rates for this population? You know, this wasn't really a comparison study, a direct comparison study. So I guess my hypothesis would be, would have been at the time that autographed retear rates or failure rates would be better, especially with patella tendons, uh, than 
a mixture of autographs and allographs and or mixing graphs and then looking at the results. But we didn't have a comparison group, so that's one limitation, I think, from the very beginning. This study is definitely not looking at a group of autographs and a group of allographs trying to uh, establish superiority of one over the other. This was a little bit earlier on in the process before I think we get to a point where we start doing those kind of comparison studies um, where people just publish their level four evidence uh, and, um, and and then try to compare them study to study. Now, that gets, as you start to make those comparisons, that's the time when those comparative studies can really come out and, uh, and, and we can really put it to the test in a better way. Now, obviously, this study is specifically looking at revision surgery with patients with a patella tendon autograft. Just a quick question before we get started into the methods of this study. When you have a patient that comes in with a variety of graft choices from their first surgery, whether it be uh, allograft, hamstring, quad tendon, patella tendon graft from the same side, what's your thought process? And, and, and is it any different when you get a patient that comes in with one graft versus the other when it comes to making the decision for a re revision surgery? Well, at our office, as you know, Scott, we really do 100% patella tendon grafts. So the the discussion of which graft are we going to use is a pretty easy one for us because we use the same graft all the time. And that's a discussion for another day, probably on uh, you know the way we look at it, where we choose the graft that we think is the best one and use it all the time versus others like to look at some pluses and minuses of each different type of graft and apply those then to different populations or to different situations to see if they can find a, a fit of a specific graft to a specific patient. In, in our opinion, the, the patella tendon graft is the best graft. And that's, again, that's a, that's probably a discussion for another day. But especially when it comes to revision surgery, uh, I think it's really important to use whatever you believe to be the best available graft. The idea that we're going to have a surgery that either fails or re-tears and we go to a second ACL surgery to me really demands that we use the best possible best possible graft. So in that regard, if there are any shortcomings of the graft, which I believe at the time, and I definitely believe now that there's been subsequent research that's agreed with us that allografts have better, uh, better out, or excuse me, that autografts have better outcomes after revision surgery. I really think we owe it to our patients that if we're going to do a second reconstruction, another rehabilitation, um, potential for complications, et cetera, that we go about it with the best possible graft. And in our hands, that's the patella tendon autograft. If you're listening to this and saying, you know what, I think hamstrings are better that that's fine you can you can you're of course welcome to that opinion if you're going into the revision situation in my opinion use autograph tissue regardless of what type it is uh, the other thing that we like to think about at our office is using the same side graft or an opposite side graft and the interesting thing is using the graft from the opposite knee doing contralateral patella tendon graft acl reconstruction really came from our experience doing revisions dr shelborn like everybody else at the time that was doing patella tendon grafts was taking the graft from the same knee and was getting good results and, and happy with how things were going. Unfortunately, some of those patients retore. And then when, if you're a patella tendon graft surgeon, you want to get a patella tendon graft, you've already taken one uh, from the injured knee, then a lot of times they would go to the opposite knee. And that's where you started to notice some specific advantages for taking the graft from the other knee in the primary situation. For us, it's an easy decision because we use contralateral grafts anyway, that if somebody comes into our office and they've had a previous patella tendon graft or a previous hamstring graft or allograft or whatever, the the 
contralateral patella tendon is the one that we usually go to. Now, in our patients, if we've already taken a contralateral graft and they have unfortunately retorn, then we would use an ipsilateral graft, same side graft for the revision situation. And that's really, for me, the majority of the ipsilaterals that I do are uh, are revisions of of ones that we've that we've done the primary surgery for revisions that come to us from elsewhere uh, for the primary surgery. Uh, we're usually using contralateral patella tendons. Now, I'm not going to have you speak for other surgeons here, but from what you've talked to with colleagues of yours or heard at meetings, if you have or if a different surgeon has a patient coming in with an ipsilateral patellar tendon graft that has retorn and there's going to be a revision surgery, what do you see as the most popular graft choice for that nationwide? Is it contralateral patellar tendon graft or do they go with a hamstring or what? I think that's an evolving science. The quadriceps tendon graft seems to be picking up a lot of steam uh, just because it's a such a a, a a thick graft it's plenty of plenty of collagen plenty of tissue to be able to use for the revision situation um, and um, so so I'm not sure I know the answer to that question but I think the pendulum has swung back and forth over the last 15 20 years from people saying you know what for a secondary reconstruction maybe we're going to use allograft tissue because we don't want to put the patient through a more arduous rehabilitation the second time around to people figuring out that unfortunately they do have a little bit higher retear rates, higher failure rates, and that the success uh, that the success rate is better by using autograph tissue. And, and, and I agree with that 100% that if you're going to go for a revision situation, you need the best tissue possible and autograft is the way to go. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that. Let's jump right into this study. What was the methodology that you used for this and what were the outcomes that you were assessing? Well, when we designed this study, we really did it with Dr. Haro and Dr. Shelbourne's patients um, from last week, that study um, about re-injury rates and return to sport rates from primary ACL reconstruction really in mind. And we wanted to do, we wanted to look at that in in, in a lot of the same way. So the easy part was just to look at, uh, do these patients get back to competitive sport at the level they were before? Uh, yes or no. And we really made it as simple as that. But we wanted to also separate it between competitive school age kids. Uh, so these are high school athletes, competitive collegiate athletes, and then recreational athletes that are older. As we know, those have different um, those have different ACL retear or opposite knee tear rates, um, but they also return to sport at different rates. So we wanted to really know what the return to sport rate was in each of those categories. And then when it came to the incidence of ACL tear to the opposite knee or to the same knee for, I guess after this one, it would be a third time, um, we wanted to look at it along those same lines as well. School age athletes, so high school athletes, collegiate athletes, and then and recreational athletes uh, in the same way that we separated it for Dr. Haro's paper that we presented last week. Uh, and then uh, the numbers on that, we had 96 school-age athletes, uh, 68 college athletes, and 138 recreational athletes. We lost a few to follow up, so we ended up with groups of 84 high school athletes with a mean age of 17 of 16.6. 58 collegiate athletes with a mean age of 21.9 and 117 recreational athletes with a mean age of 28. Uh, so then we looked at our re-injury rates for the same knee and for the opposite knee for each of those groups. We also looked at side-to-side KT-1000 maximum manual differences between those three groups, as well as IKDC subjective scores and Cincinnati knee rating scores, both in the long term. And then we compared those between groups. So knowing you look at those three or four different outcomes, what were the results that you found with this study? 
Well, first, when we looked at the return to sport rates, the return to sport rates were were pretty good. They were 74% of the school-age athletes returned to play the same sport in high school, and 24% of those 62 athletes went on to play at the collegiate level. So pretty good return to sport rates, and as it compared to the early study that showed about 50-50 on whether or not uh, those athletes got back to playing, uh, we found that with autograph patel tendons, 74% of people who had had revision ACL reconstruction were able to get back to the same sport in high school in the collegiate athletes that held to be the same percentage exactly 74 percent returned to play the same sport uh, at the collegiate level Uh, and a couple of those even went on to play in the professional ranks of the recreational athletes 62 percent returned to the same sport at a recreational level uh, post-surgery so the recreational athletes returned to sport at a little bit lower rate and i think that's pretty easy to be able to explain the high school and collegiate athletes that still have competitive time the, that they're playing for a school team uh, were more likely to come back than the recreational athletes who have now in this study have had two ACL surgeries and I think many of them just said you know what I think that's probably enough uh, and were less likely to return to sport than the other groups. As for a subsequent ACL injury to either knee after surgery between the three groups, when we looked at the school age group, we found that only 2.3% of patients had a subsequent ACL tear in the same knee uh, in the school age group. In the collegiate group, it was 5.1%, and in the recreational sport group, it was 3.4%. So a lower level of re-injury than we talked about in Dr. Haro's uh, paper last week to the to the ACL knee. Uh, as for the contralateral knee, the contralateral ACL, ACL tear rates were also lower in this study than the previous study looking at return from primaries. School-age athletes tore their opposite ACL only 1.1% of the time, uh, collegiate athletes only 1.7% of the time, and recreational athletes also 1.7% of the time. None of those were statistically significantly different between groups, uh, but they do seem to be a trend, uh, although it wasn't a direct comparison to the previous study, they do seem to be a trend to lower rates of injury to both the reconstructed knee and to the opposite knee after a return from revision ACL reconstruction versus a return from primary ACL reconstruction. As for the other objective parameters, there was no difference between the three groups with uh, KT side-to-side manual maximal difference. Uh, There was a trend that was statistically significant for slightly lower IKDC and Cincinnati knee rating scores for the recreational group, although there was no difference between the the school age and the collegiate athletes. They had uh, good scores that were not statistically different. When the recreational athletes were looked at as a separate group, they did have statistically significantly lower IKDC and Cincinnati rating scores. I want to go back to the two primary outcome measures, the two that are in the title of the study, the return to sport and subsequent injury rates for this population. Focusing first on the subsequent injury rates, and I think you made a good point that the numbers that you saw in this revision study were actually less than the numbers we talked about with Dr. Haro last week with the primary surgeries. You're talking school age at 2.3% for subsequent ACL tear. College age sports were 5.1 and recreational sports were 3.4. I, I did find it interesting that in some of these populations like the high school athletes that you would think that are entering back into a um, – you know, quote unquote, dangerous level of sport because they're so Mm -hmm. young and they're playing these higher level sports. What's your thoughts on why that is almost cut in half from the study we talked about last week? 
It's interesting when you get into the numbers and try to think about the timelines involved here. So if you're talking about a school age athlete, that this is their second ACL surgery and the mean age is, is 16.6. So when somebody has a primary ACL, has an ACL tear, has a primary ACL reconstruction and they return to sport, some of them are eighth graders, freshmen. Some of them are seniors where they are, where they are juniors, where they only have uh, one season left. Uh, and then they're no longer playing competitive sport and their risk of re-injury goes down. Uh, so these are this group in particular are looking at people who have already had a primary ACL reconstruction retorn and now had a secondary ACL reconstruction. So the athletic exposures remaining after you've had two ACL tears is probably less than after you've had one ACL tear just as a function of time. And really the same thing holds true for the opposite knee as well, uh, just that um, because the timeline is such that if these people have already been through two ACL reconstructions and they're returning to sport, they probably don't have as much of their competitive athletic career remaining. And because of that decrease in athletic exposures versus coming back from primary surgery and lower re-injury rates. And for similar reasons, but a little bit different, just mentioning athletic exposures, I want to go back to the other primary outcome of return to play at the same level. Now, with high school and college, they're both at 74%, which I think is fantastic compared to what else is in the literature, which I believe you said is right around 50% return. And I think it makes sense that the recreational athletes are going to be a little bit lower uh, for obvious reasons. You're coming back from a second ACL tear. You might be 35 playing recreational basketball, you know, decisions to to play at the same level, maybe personal more so than even how your knee is functioning. And so I guess my first question is, what's your thoughts overall on the, the numbers, especially for the younger crowd, the high school and college athletes being 74% compared to what's been previously in the literature right around 50? Well, I think if you look at the previous study that I was referencing um, that uh, from 2011 uh, uh, that looked at re at return to sport rates from revision surgery, it reported about 50 percent. In addition to the Moon Group data, which shows across the Moon Group, which is a a, a, a multi-center study, as, as everyone knows, um, looking at primary ACL reconstruction outcomes, that um, that group even reports about 50-60% return to sport rates from primary ACL reconstruction. So I think having 74% of young athletes come back to their sport at the same level with a patellar after revision surgery is is fantastic, and we're, we were happy about that, definitely. Now, another thing I wanted to talk to you about was if somebody's looking at this, it's in table two, and I was reviewing this earlier and saw that there were time for return to sport after surgery in months for the college, or, I'm sorry, for the high school athletes was 6.4 months, college sports 7.1 months, and recreational athletes at 6.6 .6 months. Knowing that this is a revision setting, I, I find that these are still on the faster side, even of primaries. This is not as quick as what I would say our primaries get back to, as we've talked about in, in uh, episodes past specifically the contralateral study that we had published not too long ago. Our average was under six months. So this is definitely uh, an average that's a month or so more so than some of the primaries we're seeing. But if you look at this as a whole, I think when you talk to somebody, they're probably not getting revisions back this quickly. I don't even think some people are getting primaries back this quickly. So uh, touch a little bit on what you're seeing uh, even now when you're when you're having athletes go back after a, a revision surgery. Well, the kind of fascinating thing is I feel like patients get back really quickly with regard to range of motion after revision surgery. I do not feel like uh, patients 
get back more slowly from a rehab perspective in the revision situation versus the primary situation. And uh, that's something that I think is a kind of a dogmatic thing that all of us talk about that, you know, oh, you're having revision surgery. This is probably going to take a little bit longer than your first time. Uh, and when I see these patients back, I expect them to progress a little more slowly, but, but they don't, especially not from a range of motion standpoint. However, I think when you have an initial first time ACL reconstruction and people want to get back to sport, there's always this kind of competitive nature of how quick can I get back? How, you know, how, how good of a rehab person am I as the, as the athlete returned into sport? That's not even necessarily something that we're pushing on them. It's something that people push on themselves on how quickly can I get back versus after you have a revision, uh, uh, revision surgery. I think people, even if they're progress, even though I think they progress just as quickly, I just don't think people feel like they're in that much of a hurry. They feel like I've already had two injuries. Maybe they're thinking about whether they even want to get back and play or not at all, let alone how quickly they get back and play. So I think it just speaks to the, you know, the, the mental state and the kind of taking stock of their athletic career that a lot of these athletes go through, that they're maybe a little bit slower after revision surgery than they are after primary surgery. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And one thing that I'm glad you said was the, the being mentally prepared aspect of it. From a physical therapy standpoint, I completely agree, especially in the early going, the first couple months after surgery, the patients progress really quickly. And, and I've always chalked that up to they know what to expect. You know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. this is their second time, but there is a there's a lot to go through with a surgery like this. And if you have that expectation of having gone through this before, I think the early stages are to be honest with you, I think they're easier for the patient. Uh, but I do think that the later stages is much more difficult, but not because of physical reasons. And I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I think it's purely because they are fearful, uh, they're more anxious. And like you said, they might be at a point where their career is either uh, changing drastically, where they're graduating out of school and they're going to go from a competitive level to a recreational level or recreational level to you know, hardly anything. So I think that's a good point to make. I also think the majority of the athletes are wanting to get back to their sport, especially if they still have competitive years left. Uh, but there are some that start to question, you know, do I really want to do this, especially uh, depending on what level of athletics they're they're playing, uh, I take I, I took care of Purdue University, a Division One university for uh, for ten years, and I also take care of Wabash College at the Division Three level. And I will say, at the Division Three level, where these guys are usually playing for fun, nobody's going to go play in the NFL or the NBA. Uh, coming from Wabash College, no offense, guys, if you're listening, but uh, just just not happening. Uh, that a, a lot of those a lot of those athletes are pretty pragmatic about you know. But if I, if I get back, that's great. If I don't get back, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I have other things to do. Um, you know, I'm trying to finish my education, get a job, you know, go on with my life versus at the division one level where I think everybody has professional or the majority of those athletes have professional aspirations of some sort, uh, that, that, that maybe they're a little more likely to, to see themselves getting back to sport, but be a little nervous about, um, whether or not they're going to be able to do it and a little bit slow to, to return. I think that's even changed in the last few years as there's been more involvement of agents and advisors and NIL money and um, things such things of that nature. In addition to just a culture of some college athletes deciding, you know what, I only want to play on a limited basis until I can show that I'm still good and then I've gotten back from injury and and then I want to shut down because I'm I'm. Uh, 
worried that I'm going to injure myself again and hurt my draft status or hurt my first contract or hurt my ability to play in the, to play in the pros and look bad in front of scouts, et cetera. I think that's a whole new thing that I know my last couple of years at Purdue were different in that regard, not, not specific to Purdue, just in talking to other team physicians uh, in the big 10 that we would, that we would work with as well, uh, just adds a whole new element to, to the return to sport process. What does your involvement look like and how is your conversation at that stage with the athlete? Let's take this example at the uh, more higher level athletes. So high competition varsity athletes in high school and college players. Mm -hmm. What's your involvement and what's your conversation look like when it comes to primaries versus revisions? And my first question is, is it any different at that same stage? And what's your tactics for that? Are you keeping things objective and, and just telling it like it is or or how do you counsel that patient at that time? Well, I mean, obviously there's the, there's the initial kind of emotional reaction to, oh my gosh, I'm hurt again. And, uh, that, that's always just a difficult thing because the, usually they kind the, the athletes kind of know what's going on when they, when they hurt themselves, although a lot of them are in denial. One of my always, always get worried when an athlete comes into my office who had a primary ACL reconstruction and says, well, it didn't feel like the first time. Absolutely. No, I don't, I don't think I tore my ACL again. It didn't feel like the first time I didn't swell as much, wasn't as painful. And I'm always thinking in the back of my mind as I have that conversation with them, they're trying to convince themselves that they haven't hurt themselves as much as they know that they just did. Um, and, and it's a natural reaction to have, obviously. Uh, but when people start talking about, you know what, it wasn't as bad though. So maybe I'm okay. Uh, a lot of times that makes me feel worse instead, <laughs> instead of better, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I, I, there is a little bit more of an emotional, almost kind of grieving process that people have to go through when they, when they hurt themselves again, to, to get to the point where they're first, they're first, they're sad and then they're angry. Uh, and, and then eventually they come around and have to get mentally prepared. So I don't really put any different um, you know, surgical readiness, um, you know, bounds around that. And that once they're ready from a motion and swelling standpoint, um, I'll, we'll, we'll move on and go ahead. Um, but I do think that process is a little bit different getting mentally prepared for, for revision surgery. Now, knowing that the return to sport time is a little bit longer for revisions versus primaries, a question I have for you from a technical standpoint, is that time at all tied to any type of uh, concomitant injuries or do you see more of those in the revision settings, things like more severe chondral damage or meniscus tears that you don't typically see in the primary setting? Is there something that stands out to you from a surgical technique or surgical um, standpoint that you see more of those type of injuries that may lead to them getting back longer? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that uh, if we looked at our data, we would find more chondral and meniscal injuries for obvious reasons. If they've had a primary ACL reconstruction, we know that a certain amount of those people have to have meniscus treatment, and some of that re requires, um, you know, partial partial meniscectomy. Obviously, people who come for a first-time ACL reconstruction are much, much less likely to have had a prior meniscectomy than people who are coming for revision surgery. So with that comes uh, potential for a little mild joint space narrowing, comes uh, potential for some, con some mild uh, lower-degree chondral defects uh, before they enter the revision situation. And of course, none of that is going to get any better. It might not get worse, but it definitely isn't getting better uh, 
when it comes to comparing those two groups. Uh, so I think that's definitely an important thing to keep in mind that these patients are more likely to have meniscal to have had meniscal treatment previously, potentially even partial meniscus resection, chondral wear and tear uh, that that the people don't have in the as, as often or as uh, to the significant degree as people in the uh, in the primary situation did. So I think you did a great job highlighting the outcomes and what this study shows. Were there any limitations that uh, needed to be addressed with this study? Yeah, no doubt. This study d d definitely has some limitations. It's a single surgeon, single clinic cohort. So this may or may not be reproducible if people use other types of grafts, if people use other types of rehabilitation techniques, specifically with return to sport rates. A lot of surgeons I know are, have slowed down significantly on their primary ACL reconstruction return to sport progression, let alone the revision, the revision situation. I think people are a lot more likely to wait longer uh, to let people get back to sport when and, and we're not necessarily that way. Um, so this this may not necessarily be reproducible uh, everywhere. Uh, and I would encourage everyone to follow their own their own uh, research, their own you know, data, and collect information on their own patients to back that up. Uh, this also is not a comparative study. We're not saying with this study that we took a look at a group of people that had allografts or hamstrings or quadriceps tendons, and we found patella tendons has specific advantages over them. That would be the most elegant study design. Especially especially if it was done in a randomized controlled fashion of some sort. Uh, but that kind of data is not out there. Uh, there is some comparative data, though, subsequent to the study that we did, which was about 10 or 8 or 10 years ago. Um, there, there was, there has been subsequent study uh, point people in the direction of the the MARS group the multicenter ACL revision study I believe was that was the acronym there but the MARS group has done some some uh, work in this in the same realm with a multicenter study that has shown similarly to the moon group in the primary ACL reconstruction uh, realm uh, that there is a higher degree of failure in retear rates with allografts as opposed to autographs it's definitely important to keep those limitations of the study in mind so overall, what is your take-home message or final thoughts on this study? Well, I think it's maybe a little bit counterintuitive to what we might have thought about this study. If you ask people just in general, do you think people are um, you know, going to get back at a 75% rate for competitive athletes? I think most people would probably say no. I think if you ask people about subsequent injury rates, do you think you're going to have a harder time with failure rates or repeat injury rates if people go back to sports after a revision reconstruction? I think the answer would probably be yes, but that is not what we found. Uh, and I think we talked in, the, in this episode about some reasons why uh, it's not necessarily an apples to apples comparison, but the point still holds uh, that I think thought there was some interesting findings from this study. Um, and as we've stated several times, and many other authors have, for me in the revision situation, if you're going to go to the to the extent of doing a revision ACL reconstruction, you want the best possible graft. For me, that's a patella tendon, uh, but I think in general, it's it's autograft tissue. And if you're a hamstring surgeon or a quadriceps surgeon, tendon surgeon for ACL reconstruction, use the graft that you think is the best one of the patient's tissue uh, in the revision situation. Excellent. Well, th I think that's a great study. I appreciate you taking the time to go through that in detail with us to highlight those those outcomes for patients that are having revision surgery.
As always, you can contact us in a, a variety of ways. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the SKC Podcast. We're on our YouTube and Facebook page for the SKC Podcast. You can also email us at the SKC Podcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you in, in any of those ways, whether you want to comment and let us know how we're doing on Apple Podcasts so other people can see that, or let us know in the comments section on social media regarding the episodes, whether it's a way that you uh, treat patients in a similar way or in a different way and what type of outcomes you guys are getting. So love to hear from you, and we will talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.